0: Check one, check one, two, three. Hey everybody, it's Michael Helms, also known as Michael the Sound Guy, and this is the Location Sound Podcast. You know, each episode we talk with location sound mixers, boom ops, and other industry pros about the various aspects of recording sound on location whether it's for feature and independent films, TV commercials, interviews, any time where dialogue from actors is recorded. I started my career in the recording studios in New York City with some of the big artists back in the day, and later on projects for networks like HBO, Sci-Fi Channel, and the Cartoon Network. As time went by, I got out of the studio and began working in production sound. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out, thanks for joining us. My guest today is a freelance location sound mixer based out of Kansas City, Missouri. Please welcome Laron Cooper.
1: Hey, what's up, guys? That was perfect.
0: <laughs> awesome. So, Laron and I were talking before we actually started recording uh, about the COVID 19 situation and how things are going where he is. So, Laron, your girlfriend is a certified nursing assistant? Yes, yes, she is. So she's on the front lines, and, and I, I guess you guys live together, so she's, she's coming home to you.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I just, I just tell her, hey, you know, just uh, quarantine yourself before, you know, you give me any hugs or kisses, because I'm not trying to contract anything.
0: <laughs> oh, that's true. Man. Yeah, I've got, uh, I've got two daughters, and one's in college and one's in high school, and they're both home now and trying to do the, the distance learning my, my oldest started last week uh, after spring break, and my youngest started this morning, so it's like a whole different change for everybody.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I don't have any kids, but I can just imagine what that's like trying to keep up with the curriculum at school and trying to keep up with, you know, their schedule as well, because they, you know, they probably have a schedule like, you know, eating breakfast or hanging out with friends or recess, so I can only imagine that's, that's tough.
0: Yeah, I told him to try to keep like my oldest, she, she goes off to school. So she's been for the last, you know, nine months or whatever, she's been doing her own thing. And so now she's home again and, and so there's we're not not button heads a little bit, but you know, she I said, you know, just try to do your schedule like you did. I know it's different and you know, just but come up with a routine, you know, get out of bed, change your clothes, brush your teeth, you know, take a shower, you know, just try to keep that routine going. And that's good for us adults as well.
1: No, for sure. Like you said, like keeping a schedule because when, you know, when I'm out in the field and I have an early call time, whatever, like you almost get into this schedule where even if you're not on a job, you find yourself waking up, exercising, making errands or whatever the case is, and just keeping everything tidy so when the next call you get, you're ready. So it's kind of like this, it's just like on a long vacation almost.
0: Let's go back to like when we were first started talking. You said you came back from vacation, and that's when everything started to change.
1: Yeah, so I went on a road trip with some friends of mine, and we had from Kansas City. So I'm I'm, I'm born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri, and so we took a road trip to Tennessee, and then out to uh, South Carolina and North Carolina, and. It was kind of strange like I left uh, the 10th of this month and I think like that day or the next day like the NBA had announced that they were going to cancel the rest of the season and I heard that South by Southwest was canceling But I didn't think at that time like there was no restrictions like people could still go out like it wasn't as bad And I'd already had planned to be gone. I already paid for hotels or whatnot and the further we got to South Carolina, North Carolina, things started to like to like close or prominent areas where there should be a lot of people. There, warton. and the time I started coming back, I had got a text message from my mom saying Kansas City was starting to uh, shops are starting to close, and then on the way back there was like something about social distancing. Like I think down to like. Uh, I think it was like 10 or uh, I think it was like I want to say 50 and then it went down to 10 or something like that and uh, the further I got in back to into Kansas City like I finally got back and the grocery stores were like bare to no minimum and restaurants and stuff I feel like started to uh, lose business and then shortly after that you know everybody had to uh do the social distancing and stay home as much as possible if their uh, work wasn't essential and i kind of got it a little bit earlier because some of my jobs that were traveling jobs had got canceled and some indie shoots i was going to do some uh, and some feature projects i was here back on in kansas city had got had got uh, postponed or rescheduled so i started to understand like this was a serious situation
0: yeah, you know, I, I think, and and probably a lot of us were, you know, when we first heard it, I was like, "Come on, this is nothing. This will pass." And then it just kept getting bigger and bigger, and then I started getting kind of, you know, you know, it was sobering everybody up, and we're going oh man, this is like, this is serious.
1: Yeah, for sure, and like, I'm with you on that because I almost thought it was just like, um, I don't want to downplay it, like as I'm speaking in like, like now, but like. Past, like, I was just like, uh, oh, like, this is, you know, just, I'll just start taking my vitamins and, you know, like, exercising and drinking more water. Like, I didn't think um, it was going to get uh, that bad. And then I started seeing more cases come out and a lot more important stuff started shutting down. So I, I feel like that's when it kind of clicked in my head, like, wow, this is serious. And um, the whole social distancing thing um, really opened my eyes quite a
0: bit. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I'm still hunting for some toilet paper. We're, we're like, you know, I got a family of four. We're running low. So uh, we're like, you know, we tried to get some online and we ordered some and then we got a notice saying it was canceled because they were out of stock. And I was like, no, I'd been trying so hard to get this order in, finally got it in. And then they're like, oh yeah, there's no, there's no paper.
1: <laughs> That's, I'm. It's not. It's not. It's funny, but funny. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that, man. Like I, I mean, I have some toilet paper if you need it, man. Like I can mail you out some. I mean, you know, my biggest thing was, um, when I went shopping, I really before people start like hoarding stuff, I just really thought to myself like, what do I need? Like, what do I need? Like, I'm not. It's just me and my fiance, so I'm not trying to get something. I don't need, you know, 10, 15 things of cases of water or toilet paper or stuff like that, you know, so just small stuff is going to last uh, me a, a long time. So I did keep that in mind before everything started going on. And I, I found it kind of funny that people try to return stuff because they had got too much of an item and I think Costco like said that you can you can't return toilet paper or something. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting.
0: I tell you actually Costco was one of the places my wife and I went we we had to stand in line outside and we get in and there we get to the back where they have all the toilet paper and paper towels and stuff and And there was one roll of paper towels left or one package of paper towels. And there was, and the lady right in front of us got the last package of toilet paper. I'm like, oh my gosh, I was like so frustrated. But, uh, and that's, that's the one I ordered online too. I, so we ordered, we tried to get, you know, a, you know, package a, a toilet paper, but they ended up, they you know, those big round ones that they put in the dispensers, usually in the public restrooms. We ended up ordering one of those thinking, you know what? Hey, it doesn't matter. I'll rig up something and we'll have some toilet paper. And that's the one they canceled. And I was like, I can't believe it.
1: That sucks, man. Like I, when my grandpa was around, I, I love hunting and I and, uh, do, I am a very outdoors person. I love going outside when I can but some, you know, with, with our job, like we can get really busy. So, uh, I haven't been camping in a while, but when I do and can get outside, I love to camp. So I say that because <laughs> there's different ways you can, uh, uh do your business without telepaper. <laughs> if you really have to, I think a lot of people maybe aren't as resourceful as people that like to go outdoors i mean if you really have to like here's a little tip guys uh you really if you really have to like i would suggest like probably getting like a like maybe baby wipes or maybe um like a reusable cloth just wash it really good you know i mean you know desperate times call for desperate measures
0: that's right we gotta survive So tell us a little bit about your mics and your mixer and all the other items you like to use on set.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm rocking a Mixpre 6, uh, the first gen. And with that, I have two 411s, and with that, I have a pair of um, SMQVs, and then two Sennheiser G3s. And then along with that, my power distribution, I just bought uh, Audio Root eSmart. And I I absolutely love it. Like, I didn't think how useful it would be until I got it. And I don't have to use um, 9 volts anymore. Cool. What
0: kind of batteries do you
1: like? Audio root? Yeah, I have two audio roots. I think it's just like the audio root, the bigger kind. I know there's like a smaller version and there's like a larger version. And I have the more larger battery. And I think it's, it's literally overkill for my little mixer. <laughs> And then for my mic, uh, my primary mic I use is uh, my MKH fifty, and I have a uh, Audio Technica for my shotgun, and I also use a four sixteen as well. And then I have a K-Tech boom pole, along with the Orca magnet piece for my K-Tech steam Ray harness, and then I have a K-Tech bag as well. I love K-Tech brand. I actually had Orca prior and I switched over not too long ago, and I absolutely love it. Well, what lav mics do you like? Uh, right now, I'm rocking the uh, COS-11. I love them. I've used, I was on a feature not too long ago, uh, and I was a boom op but we used the uh, new 6060 by DPAs, I wanna say. I liked it a lot. They're just really thin, and sometimes uh, you get a little nervous Uh, with clothing noise or what have you but overall the Cause 11s is is what I use along with uh, some Ursa mounts and have Ursa tape Um, I have Rycote stickies along with the wind covers and I'm looking to get some Viviana pads and I actually was going to get some prior to when all this happened and at the time the websites I was looking at they're out of stock and Viviana said they just had restocked it Um, so when I get some uh, time, I definitely wanna purchase those.
0: You also use timecode?
1: Yes, I do, yes. It's from Deneki and it's like one of their old timecode boxes. It's pretty big, but from that, if I do actually love the tentacles, I usually rent those out every time I do timecode. So with my mixer, it doesn't have internal, so I plug my key up to my mixer to have it running and then i can take the tentacles and get that time code from there and then jam it on to the um, as many cameras as i as i want for production
0: now you did a a youtube video on setting up time code on the mix pre-6 right yeah
1: i did yeah because it's interesting like when i first got this mixer i was like man i know there's a way to do time code and I just kept asking, and I finally called Sound Devices, and they're super helpful, and they helped me uh, with that process.
0: That's cool. Well, give us a quick overview of of setting up timecode for the MixPre-6.
1: Yeah, so in the menu, uh, there's like three bars on the side here, and I have my mixer in front of me. So you go to the second dot on the menu, and you just hit timecode, and then from there you hit time of day or whatever, you know, the production's asking for. And I want to say you go to, because there's an ox in on the side, so you have, to ter- you have to change that into, like, your time code. So you yeah, would have to jam it in there, and then from there, it'll just run automatically, but you would have to have a master connected to the mixer at all times, so you can um, make sure everything's in sync properly.
0: Okay. Yeah, you guys check out that video on YouTube, and it's, what's the name of your YouTube channel?
1: Yeah, my YouTube channel is uh, Laurent Sound, and I'm trying to upload more. So uh, when I can, it's just as of right now, it's just kind of tough with uh, everything going on.
0: All right. Well, how did you get started in production sound?
1: Uh, it's kind of interesting. When I was younger, my my dad he has a DJ company, and my dad always never let me just hang around during the summertime. Like when I was out of school, he always wanted me to go on his gigs with him. And I found myself like, oh my gosh, like, I don't want to do this, like, it's boring, you know, like, I guess growing up, like, you know, every time sometimes kids look at what their parents are doing, they don't find that interesting, they just want to, you know, hang out with friends or play video games. And I just always do sound checks for my dad or help uh, set up his mixer. And over time, I knew I loved art, I loved drawing, I loved just being artistic, uh, going through middle school and high school. And the time I got out of high school, I kind of knew I wanted to get into movies, but I didn't know what aspect. So I ended up going to school for like digital film and video production. And I did a project uh, like a, like I helped out somebody with a senior project they were doing. And they asked if I wanted to run audio. And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. Like <laughs> everybody else wanted to be behind the camera or be a director or writer. And, I just, you know, took my took my hand at it and, and did audio and they came back to me and they're like, Hey Leron, this is really good, like it sounded really, really great and I thought they were just saying that to just be nice and they said, No, you should try it out more and so I stuck with it and their film actually like was a remake of a book. I think it was called like Crank, I wanna say, and it ended up like winning some awards and so from that, I was just like, okay, cool. Like maybe I should uh, keep up with this, and I started doing a lot of 48-hour film fest and around, you know, around my town and stuff like that, and just started doing everything audio related. So when I left college, I did two internships, one at a radio station and then one at a production house. So that's all she wrote. That's, ever since then. I've just been in audio.
0: Well, let's talk about some of the projects you've worked on. You worked on a project with Morgan Cooper called Bel Air. So how did that come together?
1: Yeah. So with that, that was a really cool project because I had got a call from Johnny Stark and he said, hey, Laurent, you want to be a Brothers Project? You know, come out and help out. And I was like, yeah, sure, Um I wasn't doing anything, anyways, and I just love being on set. So I came out, and I was actually a boom op uh, for that project for the first two days. I boom mopped, and I want to say it was like a four or five day project. In the last two days, I boom mopped and mixed, and that was just a fun ordeal. Um, it was a different take of, you know, like the modern day uh, Will Smith, you know, and. It was all shot here in Kansas City. Uh, I think there's like a couple shots that are shot out in uh, California. But for the most part, everything was shot here in Kansas City. And the project was done, right? So like, it was just a trailer, just something, you know, fun to do. And like, I kid you not, like the next day or like next morning or something like that, my phone was just like, pinging, like, left and right, like, notifications everywhere, and I got online, and, like, Rolling Stones retweeted, or, like, reposted it on their Instagram, and, um, I want to say, like, Will Smith actually saw it, like, at, like, a thousand views, and people from the cast of Fresh Prince, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, were retweeting it on Twitter, and I was just, I was, it was definitely a changing point in my career, I would say, and I was very, very pleased. That At one point, I literally had to soak it all in and just turn off my phone for a day.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I saw uh, there's a little documentary kind of thing on YouTube where will smith kind of talks to the director about it and and his experience so yeah it's com- it's kind of like the fresh prince of bel-air but it's a dramatic view and it's kind of like the story but it's re- you know, more of a serious situation so it, that's worth checking out so everybody take a look at that
1: yeah for sure it was it was definitely a lot of fun i i there was so many people on that project um we're family now. Like that was a lot of fun being on that project. Yeah. Shout out to Morgan Cooper and Johnny Stark for letting me be a part of that.
0: Now, are you related to Morgan Cooper at all?
1: Yeah, I actually am. Yeah. We're cousins. So growing up, it was, uh, it was really cool just being around Morgan. He's one of my oldest friends. So with that being said, uh, it was almost just like family time, you know, <laughs> being on set and just having a, having a great time.
0: Wow, yeah, the trailer looks awesome. it you guys did a great job, so I appreciate that. Uh, you also worked on another project called Below the Fold. So what was that about? <laughs>
1: so below the fold was one of my first projects I did as like, hey, I got a call and <laughs> here's your first project do you know doing location sound mixing and I was so nervous like prior to that, like I did audio you know location sound but I always had someone with me uh with my internship or I always knew somebody you know as far as crew was concerned so with this project it was very new to me and at the time I think I was rocking like a I want to say like a Tascam and I think it was like a Tascam like Mark II or something where it only had like two XLR inputs and then I had those uh, like a zoom h h1 where it was like a external recorder and so I uh, I'm just trying to think that I have yeah and I didn't have time cut like at the time like I was I was just so getting into it that I was like uh I'm not sure what that is <laughs> and we made it happen but that ended up going... And being shown on Showtime, I want to say, but that was that was a long. I feel like that was a long project. I remember just being out in the cold. But it was a basically like a um, a person that was investigating some some crime or something like that that was happening in a, in a town. And they had they were like investigating these people, trying to figure out what was going on in this in this small town. And that was out in Marysville, Kansas. I want to say or Missouri, one or two. But it was. I just remember it was so cold, I was drinking water and the water uh, hit my boom pole and it froze immediately and (laughs) uh, it was, you know, it was trying times, but like, you know, as crew, like, you know, when is there not a time you go through harsh weather, you know, so, but it was a lot of fun. Um, Shout out to Ian and and the guys that are on that, uh, Patrick Monroe, like he was the grip, and it was just a lot of fun on that project.
0: Well, what has been the most interesting project you've worked on?
1: I guess they're all interesting things. Something that just pops up in my head. I went to go do some work with the Kansas City Royals, Kansas City Chiefs, and Sporting KC. And it was all like in a two-day span. But essentially, it was for a company that uh, puts down the turf for the different stadiums. I know it may sound kind of boring, but I kind of found that interesting because the fact that like, I'm a huge Kansas City Royals fan, and growing up, I used to go to the stadiums when they were just, like, bare. Like, the tickets, the parking tickets cost more than the actual, like, game. And people were, like, giving away these tickets for people just to show up. So when people shot it, like, on live broadcast, on live broadcast, people would, it would show that somebody was there. But going to that and having us, you know, win you know being world series champs uh, back in 2014 it was it was a great experience so doing that and then also with the Chiefs winning it was prior to them winning like I had did that job I think I want to say like October maybe November and then we ended up winning you know that that year uh, just last year so it was a great great experience so i was super excited and and a little side note actually with the royals at the time i was like doing some pa work for a commercial they did with the World Series, and that was super cool. Like I ha- had a chance to hold the trophy, and I was so nervous. Like they brought this thing in like a metal case, and they looked at everybody, and they're like, "Hey guys, I want to let you know. Like this trophy's in here. They like gave us like a rundown. They're like, no one touches it without any gloves. No one. And we, actually, we couldn't touch it at, at first. Like we couldn't touch it at all at first. And I guess like one of the DPS is like, "Hey, like, can I hold it?" and after there was, like, a trickle effect, like, he put on some gloves and he held it, and then everybody got to hold it and take pictures with it, and I guess they were trying to make it kind of quick, so, uh, whoever, like, I guess, gave out those initial rules, like, wouldn't get in trouble, but, uh, (laughs) I went to go hold this trophy, and let me tell you, like, I was so nervous, I was like, man, if I drop this and it breaks, like, I'm gonna be the talk of the town for, for the rest of my life, you know, and probably not in a good way.
0: <laughs> I tell you what, too, whenever we do, you know, you do projects that, you know, first of all, I think we like doing this kind of stuff anyway, because it's behind the scenes and and especially when it's behind the scenes of something that you really like, like baseball and it's your team or, you know, any sporting event where it's your team, it's your, your fan already. I think that just enhances everything.
1: This, this line of work there's never a dull moment. Like, there's always something new. And sometimes it's so strange. Like, sometimes if I'm working on a project and, like, this this person is, like, somewhat a celebrity or they have a huge following or they're a huge influencer, I honestly don't even think about it until I'm done with the job. And I'm like, oh, wow, I just, I just did that, you know, or I just worked with such and such. And it's very interesting, this line of work that we do. I'm trying to think of, have ever been starstruck? I I haven't been starstruck, like, yet, but I can just only imagine, like, with audio guys, especially with audio guys, like, besides a director or maybe DP, like, we're the person that they interact with, like, a lot, (laughs) you know, from micing them up and, you know, talking to them to get to know them to make them feel comfortable with you, you know, so it's definitely a cool experience, uh, a cool career or lifestyle, I, I would say, that we're in.
0: Well, that that is true. Now, now being an African American man, have you found any particular challenges in the film industry?
1: Dude, so, man, thank you for asking that. Um, you know, I feel I I have had an incident where I felt like I've had more questions being asked with me, like, or I've uh, had it to where like they ask me ten times more questions than they would. Someone else, you know, and I found I I do find it a little bit more challenging for me sometimes. Uh, it's not it doesn't happen all the time, but the few times that it does happen, I feel like I'm more than prepared. You know, I feel like I have an answer uh, for it, or if not, I just say hey. Unfortunately, I don't have that, or I don't know the answer to it. But let me see what I can do to figure it out. Give me some time. But yeah, I do find it sometimes challenging uh, when I'm. When I'm on sets that uh, that I that I'm new to, or I'm a new face, and it is somewhat challenging. I was gonna tell you a situation actually. Um, I don't want to give out the the production, but it was a cool production actually. I I I like it. I watched that network, but I was it has nothing to do actually with the network. It's just the crew I was on, but they wanted to have some certain equipment, and it wasn't in the budget. I actually had it with me, but they wanted, like, extra stuff to go on the camera whatnot, and I was like, hey, I talked to the producer, and they said that they can't afford this certain gear. The DP wanted to just, they just wanted to ask me, like, that much more questions every time there was a setup, every time like, something, he, they felt like something went wrong with the audio. Like, they always, like, almost double-checked me. Like, hey, is that is that where the mic should be? Or, hey, are you putting the lav, you know, where it should be? And I'm just kind of like, okay. You know, like, it, it, it kind of sucks because, like, I just kind of rolled the punches. So I'm just like, hey, look, you know. Uh, when that happens, I think to myself, like, you know, maybe they're just having a bad day. And I just go about it, just try to be as nice as possible, because I don't want it to be uncomfortable, especially with the talent and the rest of the crew. You know, my my job is to... I just want everyone to feel comfortable. So with when that does arise, I just, you know, try to pull that person to, you know, aside and say, hey, like, this is... I don't like the way you're doing this or that. And I and I actually did, but I wasn't on set that long. I think I was on set, like, for two days. So with that being said, it's just kind of like he just... Um, I wouldn't say necessarily roll the punches, but you just you have to understand there's a job to be done. And I wanted to make it as as best as possible for everybody.
0: Yeah. Now, that's that's good that you address it and, and, you know, try to get it handled. So excellent. Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, did you have any mentors that helped you out along the way?
1: You know, that's a good question. I, I actually have a mental. he i don't know he probably doesn't know it but um he's actually a colorist <laughs> he doesn't even do audio but he's a colorist and uh he used to work for sony pictures and he um does stuff with um his name is anthony harris but he does he's does stuff like with hulk and life of pi and um all these you know feature feature films big time movies and I reach out to him from time to time and ask him certain stuff on <laughs> it's it's kind of strange like I ask him for like like film advice. I know he can't really give me like a lot of audio advice, but he steers me in the right direction on things I should kind of, you know, do or kind of do or or gives his opinion. But far as like audio mentors, I would have to say I look up to a lot of people like I just I really look up to a lot of audio guys and pick and choose like what fits for me and then mold it into to my style you know there's a lot of local guys here that are great at what they do uh, Larry uh, out in Florida um, he's a great guy and I hit him up is
0: that Larry Williams Jr.
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> I hit him up uh, quite a bit and it was kind of funny I tell you I tell you how small this world is or I, I would say the film world so I have some friends here some people that are in film production here that go out and they work on a project out in Florida and uh, Larry was like hey like I talked to this guy on Instagram his name is Laurent Cooper and he's from Kansas City. Do you know him? They're like, yeah, I know Laron. Like, yeah, he's an audio guy out in Kansas City. And he's like, what? So it's just like, <laughs> it's a very tight community. I feel like in the film world, like everybody literally knows someone you know. You know, so I would say uh, Larry's Larry's a person I can contact and ask him certain questions for sure. You know, if I should do this or that or if I'm having issues locally here, I would say uh, Adam Doria or uh, a guy named uh, Cliff Dummis or um, some t- my boom op that was on this show with me or this feature with me. Um, Jesse Vendier, it's a strange last name. I think that's how you pronounce it. Sorry if I butchered it. But there's a lot of guys I just kind of reach out to when I can for a certain advice, and they definitely help me out.
0: That's, that's cool. Yeah, Larry Williams Jr. was our very first guest on the Location Sound podcast, so that was a good one.
1: Yeah, and that's how I actually found out about him.
0: Nice. Yeah, I was working on a project here. I'm in Florida, and I was in Orlando, and I was working on a project with a company that was out of Chicago. And somehow he we, somehow we started talking. But Matt Vogel was one of his sound guys that he uses, and I we've also had him on the podcast as well. So yeah, it's definitely a small world.
1: Yeah, that's cool, man. That's extremely cool. I uh, I'm looking to possibly move out to the East Coast, out to Boston. So your podcast has really helped me out trying to get to know a lot of people on the east coast side so i really appreciate what you do with this podcast man it's it's extremely cool
0: awesome i appreciate that
1: it's a cool it's a cool podcast i actually listened on the way back here from my vacation <laughs> i was in the car for, for four hours for our ride so we definitely listened to to the podcast on the way
0: back yeah, a lot of the listeners like to listen on their way, you know, commuting to whatever, you know, project they're working on. Of course, I think right now everybody's, nobody's listening as much at the moment because I think uh, everybody's at home.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: Okay, well, what's been your worst on-set experience?
1: Um, I was on a shoot and... It was like a um, protest, so we had to keep a low profile in a sense, and I had rented out a, a sound device 633, and my mix, like, I it was the first time I actually used 633, so I was like, it was like a crash course. Hold on, I just thought about something. <laughs> I have two. I actually have two, so I'm going to tell you this one, and then I'm going to tell you the other one. So. I had a crash course on the 633, and I'm trying to learn how to, like, use, electrosonics for the first time and all this stuff, and I'm micing this person up, and this uh, the main talent, like, they're walking down the street, and I'm sitting there following them with my boom pole. They're lobbed as well, but I was just trying to get, like, crowd noise and stuff like that, and I step in this pothole, and my knee just pops, and I'm like, yo. <laughs> and so... I just keep walking it off like I didn't I felt it pop and I didn't feel the pain of it until I stopped moving and I sat down and I looked at my knee my knee was completely swollen and we weren't finished for the rest of the day so I had to walk on a swollen knee with you know the 633 is a big difference from the mixed pre-series like it's it's a lot more heavier and the extra weight on your hips and back and stuff like that like that was hard so i i have to say that was a pretty tough and i you know, i stuck it out you know i didn't tell nobody until i got home and and you know uh wrapped it up and uh took a hot bath but yeah it was definitely it's definitely painful so the second one this is this is scary i feel like for anybody like i usually do gear checks every time before i go to set like the night before i do gear checks and i just you know plug in on my mic so i make sure everything's working correctly and all of a sudden i stuck my sd card in my mix pre-six and i try to eject it and it like wouldn't come out like and i went to go lightly pull on the sd card and i pulled the sd card out and the sd card looked like like, one of the strips on it, like, look, it got broken, and I was like, oh, okay, I was like, dang it, I was like, I'll just use a different SD card, so I plugged the SD card into my mixer, I hit record, and it's like, error, like, it, you know, it's like, not read my SD card, and I'm like, what, like, I'm thinking, like, maybe I have a, you know, <laughs> another corrupted SD card. I I kept trying to downplay the fact that like it's my SD card, you know. I even went out, bought a new SD card, came back to my place, plugged it in, and it still wasn't registering. So I took a flashlight, looked at my SD card slot, and, and mind you, it's like ten. Gosh, it's like ten p.m. It's like late at night, so I'm looking at my mixer and the port, and my mixer's damaged. Like I can't read any SD cards, and so I'm like yo this can't be happening to me like my job like the call time tomorrow was like 4am it was already late like I was like man like I need a mixer like like ASAP and I was contacting everybody I knew and everyone was like hey I'm busy like or oh, I can't do it like at the last minute and I either I had two choices I was going to drive three hours out to a place called Springfield and <laughs> grab this uh, Zoom F8 or I was gonna drive an hour out to a place called Lawrence and grab a sound devices, it was like an older model, dang it, what is that model? It has like two channels, it was like one of the older style mixers. It, it, was, it was strange, like I was sitting in a quick trip parking lot, I was getting gas and I was literally about to drive three hours out and then as soon as I put my car in drive, the person out in Lawrence was like, hey, come get my mixer. And I decided to do that since it was our hour away. I could, you know, probably get some type of sleep. And went to set for this uh, commercial. And thank God, it was like we, they didn't want any dialogue. The whole four day shoot I was on, all I did was got uh, ambient noise of of athletes like you know um, dribbling balls or clapping hands like for gymnastics or running and stuff like that. So, and the only piece of dialogue I had was like this little girl this little girl that said like Hey, Dad!" and like that was it. But that was like I, I've like I tell you like I don't really get like freaked out or nervous like that, but I was definitely like. This can't be happening to me, you know, so off the top of my head, like those are like really two big things that that that, uh, have happened to me that uh, I get super nervous about.
0: Mm. Well, if you could go back and give yourself some advice, go back to the beginning, what would you tell yourself? Uh, I would say don't go to school. (laughs)
1: i mean i say that in a sense of i mean if you want to there's nothing against it like i met a lot of cool people from that um and i still talk to till this day but now with the technology we have and especially with youtube and how quick it is to contact people around the world i would definitely tell myself to just go to an internship and hop on youtube and just get on as many sets as possible like 'Cause that's where you learn. Like there's only so much you can learn in class until the rest of your knowledge comes from being on set and how to troubleshoot stuff, you know, if something goes bad, like how to fix it right then and there, like what's a backup solution. And I would say also get pairs of everything. Like I'm working on it now, like just get a backup of everything, whether it's a mixer, rather rather it's a lav or, or mics, like if you can afford it, like get backups and, and, and save up before you get your first mixer like if you want to really get heavy into this like save up like get a budget what you want to do and get and save up for that so when you when you get your first mixer your first um uh, kit you know it's it's worth it and and i would also say just go for like if you have the budget like i said like just go for the more quality stuff because it's going to last you a long time like you're not gonna have to worry about you know it breaking or something just fell in in the middle of the set you know or in the middle of the shoe, because that's no good so i would definitely give myself that that advice
0: all right well Laron, as we kind of start to wrap things up uh, what's the best way for people to connect with you online
1: yeah they definitely can catch me online at uh underscore Sam. that's my instagram uh, handle and on there like i definitely that's the quickest way to contact me and from there i can you know i think my email's on there too if not i can just send them information to my email address and go from there
0: all right cool well i want to say thanks to LaRon cooper for being on the show today
1: thank you michael i appreciate your time man
0: And I'd like to say thanks to everyone for listening. If you have questions or would like us to discuss a particular topic, email us at locationsoundpodcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, remember, sound is half the picture.